Welcome to Demand Does the Six Questions, where the same six questions can tell a unique story. I am your host, Demand, father of two, husband of one, and leader of this here Demodcast. Well, first of all, I would like to apologize. I had some programming issues for this week, so the promised episode with Valjean Jeffers will be published next week. I promise. It's already recorded. It's being edited as we speak, or as I record this. And I will have it in your hot little podcast app next Wednesday, along with this. So you'll get, you're going to get two in a matter of like four days. Like, that is so much demand does. That's so much a demand doing. Okay, that's enough. So you're probably wondering what this episode's about. Well, it's Black History Month and I have a confession to make. I'm not as versed in as I would like and this is part of that change. Part of my reluctance is that every story seems to emphasize the struggle and not the joy. Like, I appreciate that, but there is more to our history. Not only that, Black History Month in school didn't resonate with me because it felt more like a pat on the back for the rest of America to say, Look how far we've come. There are other places to look for horrors of being black in America, and I wanted to focus on something different. I wanted to focus on the people who helped this country grow and buried by his story. So I went to where we all go when we want to learn something. Google! The solo episode back on July 8th with the report about Bass Reeves was the start and continues here. And if you hadn't listened to the Bass Reeves episode, I believe it's called another solo episode. It's on July 8th and it was dope. Today, I'm sharing a little bit of what I've learned about Robert S. Abbott, who is the creator of the largest African-American-owned newspaper, the Chicago Defender, and his influence. Editor and publisher Robert S. Abbott was born in the town of Federica on St. Simons Island, Georgia, to former slaves Thomas and Flora Abbott. As a young man, Abbott studied printing at the Hampton Institute before going on to study law at Kent College in Chicago. After earning his degree... He tried to earn a living as a lawyer. After experiencing the difficulty of trying to establish a law career, give you three guesses why, Abbott changed course. He came to realize that he might achieve greater success battling white supremacy and achieving equality for black people through the media. At the age of 35, Abbott launched the Chicago Defender from either the kitchen or dining room of his landlady's home. The first 300 copies were printed using the knowledge he gained from learning the print trade and a small loan. Abbott went door-to-door throughout Chicago's South Side selling the paper. The Chicago Defender struggled for several years, but eventually found its footing. Initially, the paper was a weekly platform for expressing the concerns and voicing the issues of the African-American community in Chicago. The Defender frequently reported on violence against blacks, police brutality, and the struggles of black workers. Expanding beyond Chicago, the Chicago Defender's confrontational and militant tone became a loud voice in the anti-lynching campaign of the post-Reconstruction Jim Crow era. The paper received national attention in 1915 for its anti-lynching slogan, If you must die, take at least one with you. And I am for all of that. In the South... The paper's support of migration and its frank reporting on racial conditions drew the hostility of state and local officials. Surprise, surprise. Without the option of traditional distribution channels, without the option of traditional distribution channels and readers being intimidated by hate groups in the South to the point that the paper had to get creative. 
So what did they do? The paper began building an unofficial distribution network of Pullman porters and entertainers helped to smuggle issues. With this expansion of distribution, the paper eventually grew to a circulation of over 100,000. The paper was difficult to obtain in some areas, and a single issue might be read by four to five people, resulting in an estimated reach of four to 500,000 readers per week. This is some James Bond type stuff, man. They were basically shipping the papers, and they would sneak they would sneak them in. So, I mean, this would make a, actually kind of an interesting uh, a spy movie or kind of a heist a weird uh, take on a heist film maybe have the uh, have a paper emerge from Chicago from the printer and then follow that paper and the stories of the families and the people who read that paper all the way to to the south I don't know it's just a random idea I had in addition to protesting the injustices committed against black people the Chicago Defender also promoted migration Abbott believed that black people from the South could achieve greater economic and racial equality in the North. Several of the paper's articles and political cartoons advocated for black people in the South moving to the North and the West, Chicago in particular. In 1915, the Defender launched its official campaign for blacks to move North called the Great Northern Migration, and five to six million Southern African Americans moved North to cities like Chicago, New York, Pittsburgh, and Detroit looking for better opportunities. And before, I don't want to get into the Great Migration because that sucker needs its own episode because it is amazing. There are other sources for it, and I will list them in the show notes. In addition to exerting community leadership through the newspaper, Abbott was active in numerous civic and art organizations in Chicago. He was a member of the Chicago Commission of Race Relations. He co-founded the Bud Billiken Club for Black Youth in Chicago and later launched the annual Bud Billiken Parade and Picnic. The Bud Billiken Parade and Picnic is an annual parade held since 1929 in Chicago, Illinois. It's the largest African-American parade in the United States of America, and it's held annually on the second Saturday in August, so sometimes it does show up on Demond Day. The parade route travels on Dr. Martin Luther King Drive through Bronzeville and Washington Park neighborhoods on the city's south side. At the end of the parade, in the historic Washington Public Park, is a picnic and festival. The parade has developed into a celebration of youth, education, and African-American life in Chicago, Illinois. Abbott was also one of several philanthropists to help Bessie Coleman become the first American woman to obtain an international pilot's license. I plan on talking about Bessie Coleman in a later episode because her story is too amazing to include here. On February 29, 1940, Abbott died from nephris. His his home, which was located in the Bronzeville neighborhood, was later designated as a National Historic Landmark. The Public Defender is still in existence and continued to be published in print form until 2019 when it became online only. Now that's a brief summation of the life and accomplishments of Robert S. Abbott. I hope you enjoyed it. If so, tell a few friends and go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating or review. It helps the show climb the charts and more can join the conversation. Next week, I promise to have the returning Valjean Jeffers as we talk about her writing career, what she's been up to since our last meeting, and her new book in her Mona Livelong series, which I think of as a female steampunk version of Harry Dresden, but much more. So, until next time, see it, hear it, speak it, 